Welcome to Rocco Public Radio, your weekly dose of X-Men Comic Chat. I'm Ron. This is the Robert DaCosta to my Fisher King, my one and only co-mega mutant, Keegan. This week, we're talking X-Men Red number six, Judgment Day number four, House of 92, Amazing Spider-Man 9, the Hellfire Gala tie-in. And I'm sorry, no games this week because we got to see the Hour of Magneto and I'm ready to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, we got a lot to go through over just those two issues alone. <laughs> Is that the best you could do? X-Men Red number six. We open on the ground on Arako, not long after Uranus's assault in the previous issue. We learn that while he's gone, his weapons are still there. We meet NASA soil scientist Craig Marshall, who's recording a final message for whoever can find it. He explains that the Iraqi have taken good care of him, and he's going to repay that by buying two Iraqi children time to escape. Storm, Laktuka, and Sabinar arrive and announce that, indeed, Craig is an honorary Iraqi, and they will protect him. Storm performs what is somehow only her like fourth or fifth coolest move of the week and uses Sabinar's blood to create a massive storm to take out the machine of Uranus. Storm regrets not being on the planet during the, the original attack, and Sabinar comforts her. Storm uses Lactuka's ability to see through the eyes of all their allies across the planet. We see Nova taking on a drone factory, believing this is all on his shoulders. Fisher King ominously gathers two other people. Iska reluctantly fights for Uranus because she must fight for whoever's winning. Wrong Slide angrily strikes back at the machines, and Sunspot revels in getting to share in one more secret. We meet back with Core of the Burning Heart, who smells Jasmine and knows night has fallen. And finally, we see Magneto fighting alongside Lotus Logos, using the iron in his blood to pump it even though his heart has been ripped out. He slaughters a plastic kaiju ape by forging a metal spear and flinging it through its brain. He and Lotus philosophize about teamwork and if the Iraqi can even work in teams. <laughs> when Sunspot, Fisher King, and newcomer Sinza of the Smoke arrive, revealing that they are the night seats of the Great Ring. We get this fantastic data page that lays out the history and importance of these secret non-Omega seats. The seats of nowhere, nothing, and nobody. Sunspot expresses guilt that he's kept the secret, but Magneto immediately quits him, though he does guilt the Fisher King just a little before shaking hands with his friend. Sinza reveals her powers are similar to Nightcrawler's, but Magneto suggests the Iraqi work together, but he's interrupted by the Kaiju ape reviving. Uranus's machines are self-repairing. Storm arrives, and without speaking, she feeds her life force as much electricity as she can to Magneto, allowing him to rip molten iron from the core of the planet to melt, melt the kaiju down to nothing. Lodo's comments this moment will change Araco forever. They quickly regroup and agree that the Araki will have to hold off the machines while they take the fight to Uranus. This might be the greatest issue of superhero comics ever written. I'm, oh my god. I mean, absolutely. It, it's easily the top contender for issue of the year for me. Like, it's going to okay. be hard to beat this. Let's break this down. Back in July, X-Men Red number three came out, and I said, this is my favorite issue of the year. Mm -hmm. Last month, issue five of X-Men Red comes out, and I say, oh, no, this tops it. Al Al Ewing has topped himself. Today, yet again, Ewing has topped himself. <laughs> I, I don't know how he does it. I just don't. 
We complained last week about how dense Marauders was. This mm-hmm. issue was just that dense, but the way Ewing weaves it is so poetic and so perfectly paced that you feel every instance. You move with the story. It's just mind-blowing to me. A- absolutely. It's um, it's like Marauders, while it was enjoyable, it was just very dense and it felt dense. This one is so artfully done that the denseness of it contributes to how you feel about it because it's all happening it's it's like how i talk about movies like the martian feeling long aids in the experience of that movie it's supposed to be like a long experience for him too it's kind of how this works for how dense it is yes absolutely there is a ton to crack into here Uh, i want to talk night seats because i called at least part of it like i did that was back, I think that was X-Men 3 or maybe 4 when we yeah. were first talking about it. And I said, you know what? The, the mystery night seats, Fisher King, Fisher King's on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not see Sunspot coming. I loved that twist. That was so good. And that data page breaking down the history of the night seats and how Genesis just discarded it and they came back together in the prison and in secret rebuilt this this part of the ring that's separate than the ring that page was just masterful um can we talk about the 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 current members yes so one born of smoke and swiftly caged that's sinza sizza uh yeah i don't know why why i'm throwing in in there it's sizza uh one born with eyes of fire that saw truths terrible and wonderful uh that sounds like that's who whoever it was that that passed, uh, I guess, the Trial of Swords. So during the X of Swords crossover, mm-hmm. I don't think we know who that is yet. But that that's not referring to Sunspot, obviously. And then the one with no weapon at all is Fisher King, right? Because yeah. his because they call their mutant powers a weapon. And uh, did you catch? So the weaponless one had a weaponless child and another who burned with her mother's heart. And going back to her line, the one child is Korra, but the other one's weaponless Zin from Legion of X. Oh! She's Fisher oh. King's kid. How oh cool my, is that? That's great. Oh, man. I didn't catch that at all. Yeah. I just love the way they're weaved. Like, I feel like more than anything else since House of Powers of X, this generation, this Gillen... Ewing and Sysbury are over in Legion of X. They are just weaving these stories com- connected so well. Yeah. I just, God. I just, it was all just like, it was so well done. And all of the weaving in and out, I'm just so blown away by it. I We had to wait six weeks for this issue. It was, I looked, it was six weeks ago that uh, Red 5 came out. I feel like it was even longer than that. But yeah. Weird. This was worth the six worth weeks. <laughs> totally like worth it. So. No, this is this is my favorite book coming out by like a mile. Like every yeah. time Immortal X Men comes out, I'm like, oh yeah, that's almost as good. And then this comes out, I'm like, no, it's not. Right. There's a gap. Like Immortal X Men is a step above everything else, but then this is a step above that. This is just perfection. Yeah, I, I absolutely because I think also like Immortal X Men, it usually depends on like who we're focusing on more than anything. So yeah, this one is just above Immortal and Immortal's already incredible. If I do not bring it up when we're talking about Judgment Day, I have a theory on the Xavier issue of Immortal X-Men. Remind me to bring it up if I don't. 
I will. I will remind you. Do we okay, want to so talk Craig, Craig of NASA? We have to talk Craig of NASA. We have to talk Craig of NASA because I personally was reading this issue while I was uh, proctoring for, you know, 35, 16-year-olds taking a test. And so I'm sitting there like, don't cry, don't cry. I cried. <laughs> so we were talking about the, the weight of the data pages. I think part of what made Craig of NASA hit so hard is we got the first chunk of introduction to him in a data page that was just dialogue of him and the child. And so we saw just the nature of his relationship he's built with these Iraqi as he's been on the, the surface. And it's just, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I, and then, and then we, we, uh, we move on to, to seeing him and the child children interact and the children not wanting to let him sacrifice himself, but so that they can accept the, the sacrifice he's going to make. And then he doesn't have to make the sacrifice, which means we can now get a Craig of NASA segment ongoing thread in this in this book or his own spinoff let's be honest i mean naturally i mean yeah so like the data page opening up we're learning just about him and the children and like he's been learning their culture they set up that he's been learning their culture the the segue from data page to book with art being him turning on the camera First of all, genius, genius, incredible, breathtaking moment. That first actual like art panel Amazing. sets it sets up the horror movie vibes. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with this like Cloverfield looking monster. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know in the description like what to call it. I, I know they refer to it as like one of the swords of Uranus because yeah. they talk all. Fancy, but yeah, it looks kind of like a spider kaiju. But then when you see it up close, the 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 spider legs were almost like lasers. Like it was just a like floating block. Mm -hmm. It was a really interesting. It's a cool design. I like the design a lot. Uh, everything the armory sent looked really cool. Even the plastic ape, which seemed like such a weird concept. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess that was just so that they didn't they could explain away why Magneto wasn't able to just mess with it. So it was yeah, made just be like <laughs> plastic and si silicon. But yeah, all the designs were great. Yeah. And then, yeah, Craig using what he has learned of their culture to convince the children. Yeah. Oh, like, to trick them, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Just, oh, so good. And then, um, yeah, then the, the, the showing up and saying, no, like, you are of Arako. Well, that's, he says it in, in one sense. He says, I guess I am of Arako in that, yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to defend these children that are here. And then Storm shows up and is like, you're right, you're Iraqi, but. No, you're not sacrificing anything. It's just a it's a beautiful moment that highlighted highlighted all of the amazingness that is storming, yet she still was only the second most badass person in this issue. <laughs> Incredibly. I just <laughs> there was the comment in there about Brand warning them all of the viciousness and the, the vileness of the Iraqi, which is the first of a few things that are in this issue that are setting up the hopefully very soon downfall of Abigail Brand. God, I can't come soon <laughs> enough. <laughs> but it's interesting because until Ewing came on, like what she describes this like vicious, like that's what we saw the Iraqi as too, because we'd mm -hmm. only seen them in X of Swords. And in, so I think it's really cool how quickly he's completely transformed who they are. And then now we see them transforming themselves even more uh, under both Storm's, guidance and then now 
like Magneto's like accidental guidance about teamwork. It's so cool to see the evolution they're making. And I'm so glad they're not gone. Like there was that implication at the end of Judgment Day 1 that they were just wiped. So I'm so glad they're not wiped. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad they're still on the board because there's just so much cool stuff that we can do with everything. Back to Fisher King. I love the description that he gives of himself as the Omega of having nothing. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. That concept, the Omega of having nothing, it just, it paints a very specific picture to me. And I'm just so excited that like that phrase was even thrown out. Uh, Iska. 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 You, you kind of mentioned that, right? Like that concept that it's like, she's kind of forced to. I think I might have thrown that out there as a possibility. Yeah. Because I, I, I have been in the back of my mind, like, is that where they're going with it? And I really like, like, she isn't precognitive. Mm-hmm. She sides with whoever it, like, it seems is going to win, it seems like. And she has no willpower over it. She's not choosing the influence to help a person win. It's it's a compulsion. And that's really interesting. Yeah. She's not a precog. She's predestined. <laughs> well, and it kind of gives more weight to her anger and rage at Bobby in three, four, whatever issue number that was, yeah. because she realized that might she might have assumed that that was what would tilt things, so she'd be forced to side against her friends and allies. We don't see her like after the events of the next issue of Judgment Day four or whatever. Is she gonna switch back sides soon? Like, are are we moving towards? <laughs> I mean, we could like Uranus. Gets beat pretty hard. We're gonna get there. Uranus gets yeah. beat pretty hard in Judgment Day Four. Like, yeah, he kind of gets stomped. I'm wondering if we're gonna see that switch sooner rather than later. Because she's not siding with the Celestial. She's siding, mm -mm. or like, does she become a minion of the Celestial for a while? Like, how broad does this go that she switches sides to whoever's winning? It's right. I'm very curious. Uh, I keep going back to him, but I just love the Fisher King. Yes, let's talk about his relationship with him. Uh, like Magneto's reaction is so visceral like he seems like he's not gonna like uh the here i was thinking our meeting was a happy coincidence because that was one of the first things ewing established is yeah he he takes himself to this exile on arako and he meets this lowly like nobody fisherman who uh he immediately forms a bond with and he invites into his home once he builds the the new castle magneto and then now we find out that that wasn't a coincidence. That was Bobby encouraged him to go and meet Magneto. Bob, Bobby being that hand in the background. And it seems like Magneto's going to be upset or offended, but he still accepts that handshake and the bro-ness continues because you, know, you always hear people talk about who are the best duos. Magneto and Fishy might be the best new duo. I love those two it's, together. It's a really good, <laughs> it's a good duo. And I, I feel like it shows a sub, sub, it shows a substantial amount of growth from Magneto. Absolutely. Oh, Magneto's character arc in the last year has been fantastic. I love where he's gone since the end of trial. So good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of relationships that have just defined everything about Magneto, uh, Al Ewing's portrayal of Storm and Magneto in this issue. The, it's been the lifeblood of the series for a while. Like When they decide at the end of issue one to reform the Brotherhood instead of being the X-Men. Uh, but the masterfulness of... He doesn't just show her as willing to give her life force 
after the last time it happened, he, Magneto was forcefully taking it from her. So it shows how far along they've come, but does it without exchanging a word. Just that like she shows up on scene and immediately knows to do that. And, you know, Krakoa has been all about these building of circuits with the biggest one being the circuit of the five to revive mutants. I just love that to show the Iraqi that yes, you can work together. It's literally these, these former mortal enemies coming together and forming this circuit that literally pulled the core of the planet out to destroy uh, a single your singular enemy. So cool. Oh, this fucking book, dude. It's just this fucking book. It, it it never fails to like really amaze me with how far they're going with it. And like you said, they are mortal enemies. Really, they're more at odds than Charles and Magneto ever were. Absolutely. And and that's what's so incredible about them. Like they have come together to the point of an, an unspoken bond. Not with even like a, like with with major like chemistry vibes like mm -hmm. she references that like oh like th this this act is sexual on iraqi is what she is i don't remember her exact phrasing but that's what she says she says like like to the iraqi like this this kind of union is only sexual i know that wasn't what they're going for in this moment but i kind of ship them now like i think storm and magneto whenever he comes back should be a be an item like I, they make such a powerful pair yeah, I they, they I honestly <laughs> I'd like to see them as as an as an item like at the end of all this. Yeah, uh, yeah here here's actually I found it. Uh in the broken land, such intimacy is reserved for the closest of lovers. Yeah. But we did not come to make love, we came to make war. <laughs> it took all all of the control within me not to just start going like let's go <laughs> well and the fact that like they're not done because they literally right. leave from here and they go kick more ass in the other book they do it's so good dude uh where like storm sees through everybody yeah that i was surprised i guess not surprised because we saw it we've seen it a couple times like, Nova's just hanging out on planet. Like the focus on Nova is so cool. And I was really moved by the amount of pressure he puts on himself. Yeah. The fact that he, he goes straight to the it's all on me, it's all on me, it's all on me mantra. And like yeah. it makes me really want another Nova ongoing. Yes, absolutely. I would love to have a a Nova ongoing just based off of what Ewing is doing with him in these these small moments, really. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think he had he had two whole panels in this book, but they yeah. both were really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, also just like so cool going from Richard Ryder straight into the Fisher King, like that's cool. Well, his narration there because that was before like we really knew what was going on in the night seats because that's four or five pages later. But the I'm a man without a name. It was psychically amputated in the prisons to guard against the vile omnipaths. I had no weapon, so I fought them with nothing. I was the omega of having nothing. There was no limit to the nothing I had. Another joins me. We are now two. Time to fetch the third. The, the foreshadowing that Ewing does is just so... I was really worried when I got to that point that we weren't going to learn this issue. That it was another tease about the night seats. So right. the fact that they stretched it out the way they did it was so good uh the 
the core of the burning heart stuff threw me off for a minute. I thought she was on. I thought she was revealing she was on the night seats. Yeah. So, Which you mentioned, uh, she smells jasmine. Jasmine blooms at night. Gotcha. That see, that's why I had to go back and edit that in because <laughs> I knew it was important. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I said I smell jasmine. I know what that means. Jasmine yes. blooms at night, so therefore night has fallen. That's awesome. I mean, it's interesting to know that Jasmine works the same in other realms and now on Mars. But yeah. uh, we see Iska through her eyes, and that's where we we learn. I have the, no choice the in rules. the matter. Yeah, yeah. we learn we learn the full weight of her powers. Uh, I was glad to see Wrong Slide. I still mm -hmm. have my question from last week about Wrong Slide. Yes. I thought they were going to kill him here so they don't ever have to answer that for us. Like I thought when I saw he was in the issue, I was very worried that meant we were losing Wrong Slide just so they <laughs> never had to deal with the the ramifications of two different Rock Slides that are equally valid. Mm -hmm. I am Robert DaCosta. I am a gorgeous pile of secrets. I love it when I get to reveal them. The air near me shifts. There's a smell sweeter than brimstone. Oh, so there's your first Jasmine reference. Okay, I just... Okay. That completely went over my head reading no, the issue. I finish so. I finish what I'm doing and I step away. Time to reveal another secret. How is all of the narration in this book so poetic and so perfect? So, oh, it's just so beautiful. And how is Sunspot now one of the coolest characters in existence? Right? Like, wait, what? <laughs> so I went viral on TikTok in like March-ish for... Uh, a video where I gave the four Marvel characters that could take down Galactus, and one of them was was Sunspot, and I gave this fun, goofy explanation. But like, Sunspot really is a real badass now. Yeah, it, it's getting more and more credence the longer things go. <laughs> uh, I didn't talk about it in my recap, but we do see Wizkid and Cable yeah. apparently going to deal with the brand situation right away. So. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems weird they're not, I don't know, helping down on the surface or worried about what's going on at the surface. That their only concern is dealing with Brand, who they've had all this time to deal with. But at least somebody's taking care of Brand. I, I do like, though, that, like, like, okay, we're going to take care of Brand. And then immediately afterwards, I am the shape of Abigail Brand. I am yeah. the... the <laughs> the, the, uh, the unfulfilled corpse. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard to tell if it's just the way the art's drawn, but it kind of looks like Xavier knows what's up, too. It does. Like you look, look at the art there. He does not look happy to be reviving her. Yeah, no. he. Uh, I mean, even uh, Charles Xavier's holding my mind in his waiting to plug it back in. I have never been this vulnerable. Like, even like saying he is waiting to plug in yeah. my mind, it feels very much like he is privy to something being on. I so can't wait for her to get her comeuppance. Oh. <laughs> uh, Lotus, Lo Lotus Logos. Such a cool power set. Like, literally, my voice is metal, and you're just, like, just creating weapons for Magneto to fling. That was so cool. Also, just the, yeah, uh, metal, my voice, vengeance, my desire. Like, mm. this is, this is rare because we always have like the the mic drop line of the issue i feel like this entire issue is that line yeah everything is mic drop <laughs> and i i am magneto 
So you're no set you loose to slay Rocco Prime, did he? A thing copied from nature with plastic flesh, silicon blood, to murder a living island. Almost poetic. Allow me to offer a gift, then, from our great poet. Thank you for the medal, Lotus Locus, and we make a fine team. As he's literally piercing this thing's brain. Team, a word little used on Arako. A word we could learn? Ah, let's go! <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. And even, we, we talk about the writing so much, the art, just the, the blood droplets hovering above uh, Magneto's hand. So good. Yeah, like... What a what a cool instead of dripping blood, rising blood. Yeah, because because he's he's yeah because because yeah. he's blood bending. <laughs> it sucks because he blood bended before the bloodbenders, but that it'll forever be blood bending. <laughs> right. That last panel too. That last one with the the team standing there, and we take the fight to Yernos himself and destroy our enemy. Oh, it was a. It, I read it at five in the morning because my kid like had this coughing fit and I thought he was waking up. So it was the very first thing like, I was groggy. I considered going back to sleep and I was like, wait, Marvel posts them pretty early. I pull up my tablet and I just blasted through it. And it was so worth the read. It was worth not going back to sleep for. And it just hair on my neck stood the whole time. Mm -hmm. And then we weren't done. Because we went straight from that into Judgment Day 4, which builds right off of this. So do you want to jump over? Yeah, let's jump right into Judgment Day 4. Wow. Things aren't so bad. We open with Captain America trying to rally people that there's still hope. Listen to me. We're going to live. The mob doesn't seem to believe him. Cersei announces a plan to have Eros, Star Fox, use his powers to nudge people into showing love and you know, faking a win on the test. Eros points out the stupidity of cheating on a test from a god and says thinking like that is a waste of time. We then get some rapid-fire reveals. The alt-right human Tom fails. Luke Cage fails because he tells a reporter to ask him again tomorrow if he thinks he passes judgment. Thor passes because of Mjolnir's inscription. Miss Marvel passes for seeing through a ruse where the Celestial pretends to be Carol. <laughs> Katrina fails for not tipping housekeeping. Professor X fails for ignoring a call from Legion. The Celestial refuses to judge the Widow Kamali. Starbrand passes. Daniela passes. Doctor Doom passes by laughing at the Celestial's suggestion. He said he admits Reed Richards is smarter. Matt Murdock fails in the most depressing panel in the history of comics. Miles Morales passes in one of the absolute most heartwarming panels in the history of comics. Eros gives this speech to Congress, and we learn that the plan is to connect the X-Men to the Unimind and win the vote for Prime Eternal, which they do, but not before Drug unleashes Uranus. Eros wins the position of Prime Eternal, and Uranus betrays Drug. Uranus unleashes his armory on Earth, but Magneto and Storm arrive and hit him with another tag team blast of Omega, Omega amazingness. Uh, he scoffs and asks if that's the best they can do. But they were just the distraction. Tony hacked Uranus's portals and gives Magneto full control. He hits Uranus with the full might of his armory and then collapses in Storm's arms. He dies with the Celestial taking the form of Anya 
giving him a thumbs up, and he seems at peace. Icarus reveals Uranus is in his cell trying to recover, and he and Cersei talk about how to repay the mutants who want to go kill Uranus. Uh, but they're interrupted by the Celestial giving Icarus a passing grade and failing Cersei. Eros travels to the Celestial to make one final plea, pleading that all life on Earth can and will do better if it's given another chance. The Celestial's not moved, deems the world a failure. It starts annihilating everyone. And Captain America announces, we're going to die. Wow. First off, this issue would have blown me away any other week. Mm-hmm. It was just pretty good because it followed X-Men Red. <laughs> but as a one-two punch... Ooh, is this the greatest one-two punch we've ever gotten? Probably. I think, I think so. I mean, okay. First off, we open up with the monthly reminder that Kieran Gillen needs to be writing a Captain America story. Absolutely. Monthly, monthly reminder, by the way, I need to be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you've ever had a British guy write this guy. Let me be the first. Let, let me, let me take it. him over. <laughs> I'm not blinded by the patriotism of it all. I get the character. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I didn't even put Captain America in my notes, but great. And the book ending, the issue with him rallying everyone that will live, and then him admitting that everyone's going to die at the end. How how bad do things have to be for Captain America to not have hope? They have to be dire. Okay, do we want to save Nitpick Corner for the end, or do we want me to jump right into it? If you want to jump right into it, jump right into it. So the only issue I have with the stakes as like Captain America's acting like, oh, this is this is the one, like this is this is it, guys, which I get every event has to be the worst event they've ever faced. In Marvel time, we're what five months out from King of Black, mm -hmm. King in Black. So they just be a space god who was out there enslaving celestials. Like, he was supposed to be a tier above any celestial, and they whooped him not that long ago. So it's interesting to see them all accepting that, like, a celestial is enough that it's the end, end times for them. Yeah, that is interesting. That's a, that's a good point. Could we uh, explain this? As, yes, we've killed a thing that can kill Celestials or enslave Celestials. But this time, when we killed the Celestial, it proved that it was toying with us anyways and reset everything. That is a totally po total possibility. You've reminded me of another thing I want to make very clear so that when it happens three issues from now, I can say, <laughs> I warned you all and I didn't want this to happen. I'm going to be really bummed if the big reset at the end is that it's all a vision and all a test. I'm going to be so mad if that's where this ends. It's just like the celest celestial reveals, oh, that was a vision too. You, you won, bye. And like all of the ramifications are in the interpersonal relationships and none of these like stakes were real. I'm going to be very upset if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Obviously, like if, if it, it turns out that, <laughs> that this whole thing was a dream, essentially yeah <laughs> you know that that um, is what i am suddenly really afraid of if if, if kieran gillen dallas is us i'm gonna be mad <laughs> i i hope that's not the case 
I really do. Um, Me too. That's, that was why I'm bringing it up is to throw that energy out there because yeah. I feel like fate doesn't want me to have a correct prediction. So fate's not fate. You, like because I've now said it, it's not going to happen. You have an interesting track record of certain things being absurdly wrong and then certain things being suspiciously right. So <laughs> this is fair. This is fair. Let's hope this is not one that is suspiciously right. Right. Uh, but yeah, I, I just like, you know, I feel Captain America having all of his hope gone. Like, that's huge. Absolutely. Um, when he begins with so much hope. Although, uh, I don't know if my description there, like, covered the the weight of when he said it. That he literally had humans vaporizing in his arms. That That is, yeah, that's, that's the thing, right? It's not just, oh no, we're screwed. It's, there is... It feels like it's almost even more than vaporizing. Like that art, it's creepy. Yeah, it looks like a nuclear blast, except we know Cap survives it. So, like, that's not what, or I guess now Cap survives a nuclear blast. But, like, that's what it looks like. It looks like they're just being completely eviscerated. Yeah. I mean, yeah, very, because uh, some of them look like they're rising up even. It's so like almost rapture like. I think they even say that. That's one of the care, one of the humans says it's the rapture. It's rapture. I'm hoping. Hopefully, Red, whatever that is, Red 7 is an expansion of this scene. The scene of them showing up and beating Uranus. I want to see that scene stretched out. So that seems to be a lot of what the tie-ins are doing is is recapping scenes with more detail. Mm -hmm. I want to see, because that was probably my biggest complaint, was Uranus goes down way too quickly. Yeah, absolutely. It goes down really quickly. Um, I, we were even we were discussing it earlier this week. It's like the way that everything happens, I'm cool with. They just don't spend enough time setting up the things that happen. My tolerance for it has grown like as the days have passed. I remember I texted you actually day of and was like, I really don't like that Uranus went down so quickly. Mm-hmm. And the more like I chewed on that, it was literally like the actual events of it really clicked for me. So I really, yeah, I think having an issue that expands on it would be enough for me. I think so too. Uh, Eros is right. Uh, I really like Eros. I th- We were talking when he showed up of like, was that a big enough of a reveal to be an end of the issue reveal? Uh, and are they going to be able to turn him into a character worth reading? Because he was a creep. And I yeah. really like this characterization of him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, he kind of even acknowledges that, you know, he's like, yeah, that that's what makes it work. Yeah. Is he, he comes out and he says, says like, Oh yeah, I, I use my powers in shitty ways, but yeah. When I, I was trapped in the inclusion, I had time to think time to watch and I've got ideas and we're wasting time. Yeah. Such a good fixing. It, it's, yeah, fixing it's the acknowledgement. Character. It's acknowledgement and growth. Yeah. You know, which is all most I, people ask for from anyone that does something wrong. You need to acknowledge it. You need to grow. I'm super happy where it is. And I'm okay with now we've got a Star Fox one shot in a couple of months. And I'm okay with them working him into the overall Krakoa mythology and Morocco mythologies now. He's, I love him. Yeah. He's, he's a great, great new character being thrown in here. Mm-hmm. New characterization, obviously not actually a new guy. Yeah, I mean, like, literally, he's like, yeah, we can't abuse my power like that because the god will know that it's fake. <laughs> all right, so we got that quick fire of all those judgments. Yes. Who do you want to talk about first? I mean, we, do you want to just go in order? 
Uh, yeah, I don't have I, uh, I don't have the issue in front of so you. We, you we tell start, remind me the order. We start with Tom, the alt right uh, human. <sighs> I love that even with his son telling him why he's a piece of shit, it still goes right over his head. Yep. Ugh. Yeah, he he. Was, I still uh, wish he would have actually died. You know, we yeah. talked we talked <laughs> about in I think Death of Mutants one that like it seemed like each of the ha- the hex were gonna correlate with like their revival was gonna be the death of one of these humans. I really wanted to be Tom Tom to be the next to die, but mm-hmm. seeing him getting his family just all up in his grill about why he's a sack of shit was pretty nice to see. Oh, absolutely, and and honestly, his moment of judgment is pretty satisfying because he gets his he gets his shit kicked in by racists. Yeah, it's like a racist getting beat up by racists, failing to see the irony that's, in the moment. That's and that's true. Why he that, fails. That his, his family calling him out came later. You're right, but yes, the <laughs> the actual just a bunch of racists kicking the crap out of him and him not seeing the irony was great. Uh, next is Luke Cage. Okay, I Luke Cage's was one that. So I think we're to the point now where. Judgment is the celestial. It's, it's to the celestial. It's judging someone's self worth, but in mm-hmm. reality, it's completely bullshit, right? Like mm-hmm. that's what we're learning. The more we get into this, is like yeah. the celestial really was just taunting everyone, essentially, right? Right. Like it had a twisted morality. It really did. I mean, you know, like Luke Cage is a politician. He fails. <laughs> that's essentially what it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like what he said was totally inappropriate. Like, like I think about how like that's totally what any of the charismatic presidents would have said. That's what yeah. you know. Like I could hear that in Obama's voice. I could oh, yeah. hear that in so many of our leaders' voices that just like ask me again tomorrow. But apparently that's worth a fail. Super interesting. Yeah, uh, and then after that is Thor, passing by his inscription uh, yeah by virtue of the fact that he's worthy to hold the hammer so therefore he's worthy to pass i mean i get it right most of thor's self-worth has historically been wrapped it up and if he's worthy to hold the hammer witty but again nails home that there's no rhyme or reason that the celestial gave like there's no rule book here by any means no it like what i like though is like even though there's no rule book, every time it makes sense the way that the celestial like explains it. Absolutely, right? it's like Thor is worthy because he's worthy of the hammer. Therefore, he passes. <laughs> okay, sure, why not? <laughs> I really enjoyed um, the way there's been this running theme that kids and like young heroes and younger characters don't quite get a pass but he's way more lenient with them so like there's clearly a humanity to the celestial which makes sense because tony put so much work into making him but there is this do you think that then maybe that's why maybe the celestial is more lenient to the children and younger heroes because tony inherently as a human is more lenient to children and younger heroes i think there is definitely a piece of like what we're seeing in its personality and what i think in the end will most likely somehow come into defeating it is whether they appeal to the humanity in it whether they kick the crap out of it and they're only able to defeat it because like that's that part's gonna come into play somewhere yeah i still think in the end the celestial may end up taking on a different role when it's over i still think there's something to the fact that the machine is the blue text and this is the pink text in the same font Mm -hmm. 
I'm still holding on to my theory that this celestial ends up the machine for Arako. Like I, I just, I, I feel like see it, you know, that, especially with all the red. Yeah, I still think that possibility is there, and part of that is just because you you took that that comment about uh, some of my theories being so far off, and I want that theory to sneak back in at some point. <laughs> That's fair. I'll take it. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Uh, after, Daredevil was, uh, was, so after Thor's panel, the next panel is uh, Eros meeting with the mutants, hmm. and he listens. I really like that they keep peppering in Eros listening throughout all these judgments. I thought that was cool. Well, I like that Eros listened, and then that meant the Celestial like listened to him. He was mm -hmm. he did not pass judgment yet. He was giving Eros time. Yeah, I, absolutely. Was, uh, after that, it's Kamala. Okay, I hers was sweet too. That, I like, like she hers. immediately saw through the bullshit. And, mm -hmm. Where's the Pummel, real Carol? <laughs> Pummel's meme demands I tell her what I did with the real Carol. She cannot <laughs> see my hand move in her huge fist, but she passes and I vanish. <laughs> Has a little bit of fun with it. Yes. Well, that's that's again like that sense of humor. It's darker, but it's very reminiscent of the machine's sense of humor. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, then we have Katrina leaving her hotel room, not tipping. Or not going back to tip. Not like, going what, back to tip. Yeah, she had the conscious realization she should tip, but she didn't. I did like that she then had no idea why she failed. Like yeah. She didn't make the connection that she had just made that choice. I thought that was pretty good. Uh, after that, we have uh, good old Chuck Xavier getting his big old failure. We got to talk about Chuck. <laughs> Father of the year, Chuck. So I like that we just saw in Immortal X-Men, he made that comment about like, if I had been tested, I wouldn't even notice. And then we see him get tested and he doesn't even notice. Because mm -hmm. he doesn't even realize that his son is the one testing him. Moira, I, I feel like Magneto leaving and Moira turning on them has driven him to this to this breaking point and we're getting i feel like we have to be getting closer to seeing like this breaking point play out yeah come to but, like a real true head but the fact that legion had was legion the celestial as legion had such desperation of dad i need to talk and he didn't even turn his head didn't even break his concentration for a second to consider listening to him that it was just like no i'm busy right no, it's no, not a single alarm bell goes off when yeah. your son Legion comes to you in the middle of the psychic warfare and says, Hey, I need to talk. Nothing goes, huh? Hold on a second. This might be important. Are you ready for my Professor X theory? Yes. His issue of Mortal X Men, which I don't know what number it is, he's going to revive Magneto against Magneto's will. Magneto's going to be furious because his last memory is seeing. Uh, Anya and thinking like he thinks he's going into like a peaceful afterlife. He had promised he wasn't going to come back if he died. So he, Xavier forces him to break his promise to the Iraqi. Obviously he deleted his backup, but I think because he came back to earth, we probably had like a last second, like Cerebro save resaved him. And like, I could see that being our big breaking point. That, ooh, that, I think that's going to be right. I think that's right on the money. 
that in, unless we have we're in the dream and it's all reset and god i hope that's not it i think that's the that's how we get magneto back and that's how we get a new conflict between like because that'll split half half the, the x-men will go with magneto and half of them will side with xavier so yeah kind of return to a more classic <laughs> without one side being villains though i think there will be a true moral quandary of like both both sides will have really valid arguments or even xavier's side will be the more evil side he'll he might side with beast we might see him fall down a really dark path yeah oh can you imagine oh uh if we talk solicitations in a few there there's some interesting uh stuff even just in december coming out okay uh, let's see. After Xavier's, the uh, progenitor appeals at the foot of the bed of Kamali uh, that she shared with Arjun, and he feels uh, judged. He feels he questions him himself. Which is, again, that humanity coming in, the fact that he feels that hesitation and that like guilt. Yeah. <laughs> super uh, powerful. Super powerful. Very good. They do so much with these one-panel moments. Because next we have Eros meeting with all the kings and monarchs. It's specifically with uh, T'Challa. He listens again. Uh, then Brandy Selby, still new to the Starbrand, tests her medal as a hero. She yeah. Passes. I forgot uh, she existed. <laughs> same. That one was just kind of there. Uh, then after that, Daniela, uh, in between jobs, sees how bad it is, tells her mom that she's coming home instead, and she passes for that. Then... I'm gonna. This is probably my favorite judgment of the issue is Doctor Doom. Okay. <laughs> and you know, just laughing at the concept of Reed Richards being smarter. I kind of love that. It was a, it was an amazing scene. I love that panel. You're right. It again drills home the arbitrariness, though. Mm -hmm. You could literally just defy what he asks, but if you do it the right way, you pass. But then we have stuff like not tipping is where it, like <laughs> like Doctor yeah. Doom can pass, but the girl who just doesn't tip her housekeeping fails. Yeah, I mean, you know, and at the end of the day, it really is just like drilling home that it's what you truly believe in yourself, yeah, right? She fine. feels bad that she's not tipping, therefore she failed. She knows it's the right thing to do, but she doesn't do it. Yeah. Victor laughs as if it's a just the concept of Reed being smarter is a funny joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, then we have Jada. Uh, the she watches the crowd with the chanting of the death of mutants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She passes. Then we have Daredevil with okay. the saddest panel ever <laughs> of all time. Yeah. Matt Murdock dresses as a devil and tries to stop the streets from becoming hell. He is a man with a firm moral code, which he has violated time and time over. I appear with a crown of thorns and a downturned thumb. Beneath the mask, he weeps, says, I know, yet carries on. I, no, I gave myself like, goosebumps just now. Myself. Yeah. <laughs> this one... I get it bothers me <laughs> like yeah like I wish he had uh, like I don't wish because it is perfect it fits him like I love it but it does stand out as another reason the celestial is bullshit like his oh, tests absolutely. don't make sense yeah absolutely but then 
Read the next one. Cheer us back so, up. <laughs> so we very quickly in between him and Miles, we have Eros meeting with other leaders. Right, and it mentions right. that his other power is that he finds common, common ground. But then immediately after, we have Miles. Miles Morales turns and sees me as Peter Parker. I give him a thumbs up. He gives me one back. <laughs> I, just, I just love that. He has no idea. Like he, that, that could have been real Peter. He, he has no way of knowing that was the celestial. He doesn't care. He's just, yeah, yeah, thumbs up. Like, sure, dude. <laughs> it's so good. so good. And then immediately after that, the final of this huge parade of judgment is Kenta. He's still not doing his homework. I withhold judgment. He is too young. I am not a monster. That is the humanity again. Yep. Oh, it's it's a very good three pages. It's three pages of judgments. Rapid the more fire. we the more we talk about this issue, the more it gets re-elevated in my mind. Yeah. But like I, I walked away at the end of reading them yesterday, thinking like red is this perfect 10, and this is like in the eight nine range, like I enjoyed it, but this this is a nine five, like this is a nine nine. This was a really strong issue. Yeah, it would be a ten if it wasn't coming out the same week as Red. Absolutely. But to have what is essentially two tens come out the same week is phenomenal. In the in the same event, like this isn't even like oh Marvel and DC both put out a banger. This is right. two bangers, both X Men, both like tied to this giant event that, as a non event guy, usually is just. Yeah, non-event guy usually, and this one has me reconsidering my ways. Um, the X-Men joining the Unimind. Oh, man. Why is that so amazing on so many levels? Like That was cool as hell. <laughs> well, and it brings in so many threads that we've been seeing. Like, Death of the Mutants is focused so much on the fact that, uh, essentially, they are the Deviants who are the Eternals. So like really genetically, they're almost identical. So it makes sense they'd be able to get in there so quickly. It ties into what we were talking about with the circuits that the X-Men have been building these power circuits among each other. So it makes sense that they'd be able to unite to form this psychic barrage, but also just the outsmarting, outsnaking Druig, the ultimate snake was so good to see. I mean, and, and it just, the fact that it pays off my homeboy crow, yeah, <laughs> it pays off his like catchphrase of like, yeah, we're deviants, you're deviants, as far as I can tell. Yeah, um, but also now we know the Eternals really are deviants too because they're all yeah. connected. They're all genetically. Mm -hmm. Man, so good. Uh, the choice of arrows as Prime was really cool. Mm -hmm. I loved it, especially after the whole. Do you even have the right to speak for the Eternals? <laughs> right. The last, the last judgments I want to talk about. Yeah. The whole Cersei fail, Icarus pass thing. Tony asks Cersei, like, oh, what else have you done? And then she's like, oh, it might be the outfit I'm wearing. And then we, do we know, like, what she's being judged for there? Um, Is that something I missed? I, I, If you missed it, I missed it. Okay. <laughs> I could just be one of those threads being left open. That's okay. Yeah. The incredible continuation that is storm and magneto the line that he says as magneto dies if all were like him there'd be no need for men like him mm -hmm. another tearjerker like yeah. that that was oh, it's really you're right good. 
I Storm mean, and yeah. Magneto in general from, from the last two issues. Like I said, we watch at the beginning of Red Storm kick major ass. That's only like her fourth or fifth biggest feat in these 60 pages. So amazing what those two have done. I mean, as as they come back to, you know, distract Uranus, I mean, we get another golden Magneto line with, my foes always thought me heartless. You merely made that literal. But hate will serve long enough. Come on! Yeah. <laughs> well, and then I, the, the, the blast they give him, and then you see the, uh, the armory all aim at him too oh both of those moments just the art carries it completely yeah god that the beauty of that line though uh if all were like him there would be no need for men like him but look this is of interest to me it, ah. yeah. <laughs> this is not the end of magneto no he's coming back Hopefully soon, because the, the characterization is the greatest it's ever been. Yeah. And they are not allowed to make him a villain in the movies or in the cartoons. Like, they have to have this characterization of him in every adaptation going forward. They have I, to. I think so, too. Um, if we're done with Judgment Day 4, one last thing I love is Go at the it. end of the issue for the Judgment Day 5 preview, all it says is, next, it's too late. That is really good. And I just think that that is so good. Like, that's what it ends on. Next, it's too late. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Let's talk about something a little more goofy, a little more fun. Yeah. This week, we read House of 92. Now, issue 5 came out this week. I'm not going to summarize the whole thing, though, because it is it is a five-issue mini. But it's essentially if the characters of... the 92 X-Men TV show with the tone of the TV show uh, went through all of the Krakoa era. And I mean, this thing adapts House of X. It adapts the Exoswords. It adapts the Hellfire Gala. It adapts uh, the Chimera stuff, like seeds that have just been planted, Beast's downfall, uh, the final uh, Orcus siege. Like it adapts it all. We see the full arc and then it has a really fun ending uh, but in this trappings of only uses characters from the 92 TV show and it uh, utilizes like 90s themed data pages and 90s themed uh, trappings. And it just was so much fun. I'm so glad we sat down to read it. Absolutely. I, I was wrong on my initial judgment because when I first saw the whole concept, I was like, that's a dumb idea. I'm done with this. I don't want right. to bother with it. And I'm glad that we waited to read it all in one shot. I think I would have lost interest if I was doing this on a month to month. I think that's fair. That's totally fair. I think I were, I'm the opposite. I wish I got to read this monthly because I had a lot of fun like doing what I do with the monthly issues where I read it and then I go back and I dig through the data pages like extra hard and look mm -hmm. for little Easter eggs and stuff. And I couldn't spend much time with it because we read all five pages or all five issues in one week. So I, I, I wish I got to scour over the hints and stuff the same way I scour over the hints from the current stuff. Yeah. Uh, I know it says at the end, like, it's not over. And I know this team wrote some uh, other series based on the 92 X-Men. I really hope they do something more 
with it because this was a lot of fun. Although it's got a pretty conclusive ending. Yeah. Uh, really, just I, I thought it was a really good way to actually do it. It was about perfect length for what they were covering. Absolutely. I think I, it was I, perfect. Well, I think doing basically an issue for each of the crossovers was really smart because yeah. we knew the gist of how they were going to play out. So it made sense to keep them to just an issue, which felt like keeping it to an episode of the TV show. It really, it felt like so much like, like the TV the cartoon. show. Absolutely. Uh, Jubilee as the Moira stand in. So genius. So fun. I thought that was great. Well, and then like the simplicity of she's hiding in a cave and Wolverine can smell her and like, it just it felt like the cartoon in such a fun way. One of my favorite things through all, all of it was, I want to say it was maybe the second issue where it was like a mixtape with songs for each character. Yes. That's what I was saying about the data pages. Yeah, they do a yeah. few that are like that, where it's a mixtape or it's like a magazine article of like, who are the, the hottest in Krakoa right now? And like stuff like that. Yeah. But Very like, using, fun. Asteroid X instead of Arako. Like lots of fun little stuff like that, but it's just all right. Are you ready to go around the Marvel universe? Yeah, let's yeah. <laughs> Saying it because I know where we have to go. <laughs> We're going there. You know what? Hellfire Gala was a great event this year. I'm really glad we get to go back to it. In Amazing Spider-Man number nine. <sighs> All right. So we're not going to dig too deep into this. Wolverine helps Spider-Man get Mary Jane back after the gala by going and beating up Moira. I have a rant, but is there anything you want to talk about about the issue as a whole? Um, can I just say that it sucks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have, have you been reading like the first eight issues or was this your first drop into this weird new characterization of Peter? Um. I tried to read the first issue and was like, mm, no. <laughs> so I've been keeping up with it mostly because I love Spider-Man. I, yeah. I, uh, because of when I came back into the hobby, like I couldn't really get into the beyond stuff because you had to go back too far. So this was my first real jumping on point again after uh, the slot stuff. So I was excited to dig into it, and it has been my least favorite comic every month, but I can't drop it because it's Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, my biggest issue isn't even the Spider-Man half of this. And this isn't on uh, the writer of this issue, but how have they done Moira so dirty? Right. Like I feel like it is straight up to the point where Terminator Moira is an insult to her House of X, Powers of X, and the majority of Hickman run, Hickman's run, it's characterization of her. Yeah, I, I really don't like this. is This is like the biggest fumble to me of all of the new X Men stuff. Benjamin Percy and I don't. It happened in his book. I don't know if we can blame him or blame editorial because he, it might have been just a group decision to have her go this route, but. What they did in Lives and Deads of Wolverine to Moira, taking her from the nuanced villain of Inferno and turning her into an evil skin-stealing android is one of the worst things to happen I can remember in comics. It's the worst thing to happen in the Krakoa era. Like, I, yeah. Uh, it makes no sense after 10 lives that she'd become so unhinged so quickly. Like, she's lived for thousands of years, seen 
such dark shit. And this is what sends her down this horrible, horrible pipeline. Makes no sense to me. Absolutely. Like to me, I like watching this happen. I'm like, this can't be the same person that makes me go, wait, do I hate Charles Xavier? <laughs> well, and and maybe like maybe it could be justified that it's not the same person because like we have an Ultron situation now. She's yeah. she while she was dying and in her worst possible mindset, like at her wit's end, uploaded her mind to an to an android. So this android is like uh, got a mind of his own now or whatever. Fine, whatever. The level of cheesy dialogue. It's time for celebration. You're free. Free from the worries of this mortal life. That is some of the worst dialogue I have ever read. That dialogue would have slapped in House of 92. Because <laughs> it's a cheesy cartoon dialogue. That's fair. Uh, you're right. <laughs> I, I could see like... But like that's that's the problem, right? Yeah, I'm not reading this for cheesy cartoon dialogue. Yeah. All right. Are we burying this? Are we moving on? I, I say we bury it. Okay. It's so, in the past. Midnight Suns came out this week. Okay. It's got Wolverine and it's got magic. Um, first issue is okay. I really dig Spirit Rider. It's got nothing to do with X Men. Just it's a great character and it's got it, it's the best part of this this issue. Uh, but the best X Men part of it. He looks, he's wearing the brown and yellow. And I, I guess he was in Spider-Man too, but I was so mad at Spider-Man. And I'm <laughs> loving the brown and yellow outfit is just amazing. I really, I hope that's like the new standard for Wolverine for a while. I hope that's his new like uniform because it looks amazing. Yeah, I, I, I think that's, it's a good, it's a good look. I think they should keep it. Uh, solicitations for December. I won't go into everything we see. But the Wolverine solicitation for December, he's going in the pit. Now it's vague on if he's being a, like if he's being punished and sent to the pit, or if like he's venturing in like on a mission. Mm-hmm. But we're getting Wolverine in the pit, so okay. I'm interested okay. to see that. Yeah. Next week we have Axe Judgment Day number five. We have Exterminators one, which I am so excited for. We have New Mutants number 30. We have Legion of X number 5. And as part of Across the Universe, because I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them, we have Avengers number 60 and Fantastic Four number 47, which are both X tie-ins this time. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see uh, those ones, especially. With with six issues, it's probably going to be a Thursday record, I bet you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> All right. I think that does it for us this week, unless you've got anything else you want to talk about. I think that might be it this week. All right. Thank you for hanging out, chatting all things mutant with us. If you have not hit subscribe, please do so. Follow us on all of the socials. I'm that nerdy Papa Bear on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Keegan is Bulk Ranger on Twitter and TikTok. And if you watch us on YouTube, by the time the next episode comes out, I'm going to have the Spotify. I'm going to have the iTunes. We're going to figure that out finally. Huh. And to think, I could be shopping at the mall right now. <laughs>